<laughs> uh, welcome to our podcast. This is Tea Time with the Psychos. Our vision for this podcast is to highlight mental health issues and topics while fucking shit up and enjoying tea. I am Caitlin Keneally, a psychotherapist and licensed professional counselor by the state of Wisconsin. And I'm Elizabeth Nelson, just a psycho in training and a mental health advocate. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining, joining us. us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> welcome to episode four. Oh, yes, we finally made it. Four is my lucky number. For just, a, oh, yes. just a heads up yes. on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so today, today's topic, uh, we're going to be talking about domestic violence. Yes, it is October mm-hmm. and that is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Absolutely. So it's not always um, the most exciting, right, thing to or talk about. Or hot topic, right? Yeah. But it's really important, and I think it's really prevalent. Uh, well, it's always been really prevalent, but now with the pandemic and everything going on, um, I think it is just a topic that definitely needs to be addressed. Plus, it's uh, raising more awareness to it. Yeah, this month. and it's definitely all encompassing of mental health awareness, things mm-hmm. that people I think forget because they like to think about like physical violence but we forget the mental Mm -hmm. health aspect of that right um the location that i work we actually just did some of our statistics during covid and so i work for a domestic violence agency and since the start of this year we our services have actually increased interesting yeah so the number of calls have stayed about the same but the number of services that people are seeking and actually using has increased so i thought that that was kind of very telling of what the pandemic kind of has done or what people are needing to like seek out. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you tell everybody um, just a little bit about, you know, what services uh, your shelter provides or just a little bit about it? Yeah, so actually, so I've worked for, this will be the second um, DV like shelter agency and I would say that this one has it kind of figured out a little bit, and so I appreciate that about it. They actually have a family law attorney, um, and so that helps, right, um, with those costs and fees that maybe someone would not be, well, because of those costs and fees, wouldn't be able to seek those services. They have a restraining order kind of legal advocate, they call her. Um, We have outreach service for both sexual assault and DV. So those are clients that want to come maybe on a weekly basis, bi-weekly or monthly, just to seek support from somebody who understands domestic violence or sexual assault. And then we also offer um, outreach services. So um, two individuals go within the community to the schools, to different agencies, to jobs, to just kind of talk about um, intimate partner violence on like a grand scale of like if it's to kindergartners right we're going to talk about it in a different way and they're talking about consent and then um it could be the number one factory in town that needs it to be discussed Mm -hmm. at break room time um or with supervisors so they can understand maybe why someone's being late or if someone's experiencing this what can they expect And then we also offer shelters. So it's an emergency shelter, um, which is for individuals fleeing currently like a domestic violence situation and need shelter in order to protect themselves from that situation. So, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for all the work you do. It's really oh, important. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, right. uh, as a psychotherapist, right, I get asked this a, a lot in like, you know, what are your specialties? What are your background? What is your background in? And um, I always say domestic violence, right? Um, and the reason I think it's important and what I would say to people that are coming up in this field is that you should definitely have some DV in your background. Honestly, I think it's made me a better clinician and it's also made me recognize that DV it isn't just happening to one person, right? Yeah. Um, and that it is way more prevalent than anybody wants to admit. I mean, so today we'll tell you some statistics, but those are just the stats, and that's just what is reported. And I would have to tell you from a clinical perspective, right, when we dive in a little bit today, I want to say that a lot of people experience this without even realizing what it is. Yeah, and uh, so Caitlin and I actually met working... <laughs> at a DV shelter together. So that's how our love for each other started. So, yes. Tell them the story. What, what, uh, what? Well, the, we had a few, but one of them was a tornado. That one I'm remembering. And then the lights went out, but, like, a light bulb on the side of the shelter, like, almost started on fire. Then we had one where a ceiling <laughs> fell because of a water leak. No, tell um, them the story oh. that you told me with my pink headband. or like. I don't oh, know. yeah. So the very first time, like, I had gotten hired, and I was doing, like, new hire information. <laughs> and here walks in this little girl with her high heel clickety clack shoes. And to be honest, we went for a walk earlier this morning and she had the same fucking headband on. So <laughs> she's had it for a while. But so she had her little pink bowed headband on. And mind you, this is like a winter headband. So this isn't like an everyday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so I was like, shit's getting real here. I better be on my A game. But yeah. Well, that's... she said she learned more in that hour than she yes. had learned in a a week or yes. two or however long yeah. you'd been there. So, so it must have been significant. Yes. To say. No. This headband, it, I mean, it's stellar. <laughs> it's it, a game changer. It really is. Um, so. And then that brings me, because when you had said, like, <clears throat> DV doesn't just affect one person, we also have an art therapist for mm. children. That's awesome. And so, yeah, she goes into the schools, but then also clients in shelter, if they have children, yeah. can see her. And then also clients who yeah. get referred to her. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing as yeah. well. Um, so when I worked uh, at the hospital uh, in uh, DV, uh, helped run the groups for male yes. offenders. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, when we talked about the children, which is another piece, which is what I'm getting at, is that talking about the children, I mean, it was just, you know, tough <laughs> um, sessions that day or hours, however you want to put it, because people also don't think about that either. You know, mm-hmm. and like, well, we fought when they went to bed, right? And uh, getting people to understand the statistics behind children and how this is a cycle and continue is another yeah. added layer right. <laughs> that we might not get into today. Yes. But it, it really is important. And when I worked in Child Protective Services, mm-hmm. right, we would get those referrals because of DV altercations or situations mm-hmm. and, like, letting the parents circle things that maybe are behaviors that their children were exhibiting. Oh, sure. And not yeah. realizing, like, the correlation between their unhealthy relationship that they as adults we're having yep and how that affected their children mm-hmm. which i think on our little statistic list there's um one for children oh sure yeah mm-hmm. but yeah that those sessions are um and it says one in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year and 90 percent of these children are eyewitness to mm-hmm. that violence and so like yeah even though maybe they went to bed you you're not going to guarantee that right 
Yeah. And just kids can describe so many things. Right. And one piece that I always went over that I think people often forget is how did the environment feel? Okay. So this is really important. I really believe that your body, the mind, body, soul connection, and and you have to think about that. So when you walk into a place, right, automatically, you're going to know if you feel safe or not, right? If you're in tune with your body. So did the, and it would be like, well, I'm walking on eggshells or when I walk in, right, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up right? Just because you're kind of in fight or flight, right? So you don't know if this person or whoever it is, is going to be in a good mood, a bad mood, or it could be good when it starts and you could just say the wrong thing. Um, and so I really try to get people to think about tuning into their body and how it feels, right? If it feels off, what does that feel like? And then we kind of talk about those things too. Yeah. Which is also, I just feel like that's something no one talks about in general (laughs) about anything mental health. Like where is this coming from? Where do you feel this? Mm -hmm. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So one piece. So let's start. I mean, we're not going to like go over what the specific definition is necessarily. But that being said, you know, DV um, is uh, physical. Yeah. Right. So what do we think physical means? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So that's like literally hitting, choking, slapping, I was going to say strangling, but that's choking as well. Um, Like pulling hair, shoving. Um, pinching is one that people forget mm-hmm. a lot about, like, yeah. um, and in different situations when that occurs, because a lot of pinching can be done in public settings where mm-hmm. other people aren't aware that that's happening. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I think about yeah, with DV. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, emotional. Or physical. Yeah. Emotional, yeah. So I always think that this one is one that people don't think about as often but I feel like happens more possibly than the physical um, because this one can be hidden more so this is like degrading terms this is um, making that person feel like they're in chaos a lot of the time like just trying to keep that person's emotions unregulated which is hard for anyone to continue to do Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know are you thinking anything else on emotion that's that's pretty good and then verbal Verbal would, I think, ties into emotional a little bit more, but it's more of that, like, um, using violent language is what I like to, like, Mm -hmm. think of that as. Talking down to you, you know, those different types of things. When I work with clients on this, and remember, this is all backgrounds, all ages, um, all different types of people, right? Um, what I tell them with DV is, right, the first thing that comes to anybody's mind is the physical, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not domestic violence because they didn't hit me, right? right? But then as we start to learn about healthy relationships, unhealthy relationships, you start to realize, but there's a lot of emotional or verbal in there. So what I try to distinguish is, you know, the the scars that you can't see. The physical mm-hmm. stuff will most likely heal. We know it's there, but it's that emotional and it's the verbal stuff that I am constantly dealing with right like when somebody continues to make you feel crazy you kind of start to feel crazy right yeah (laughs) somebody tells you something over and over and say you know they never take accountability for their actions like you made me do this right you made me slam things and like you made me yell at you yeah when you've you know um made someone feel that way for so long they start to believe it so really you know emphasizing that that emotional and that verbal is is huge. Yeah, there's two. Um, Taylor Swift's new song, Mad Woman, reminds me <laughs> of um, like emotional and verbal abuse. Oh, a I lot. haven't listened to it. Um, 
in just some ways. And then we were just watching The Office last night, which I know is can be a very derogatory show, um, but I do enjoy it. But um, there, Dwight was like throwing snowballs at Jim on the episode that we were on, but it was creating fear. So like literally Dwight really wasn't physically harming okay. Jim, but by the end of it, he was so paranoid, right? Yep. And then that makes you exhibit these behaviors that you normally wouldn't or that mm-hmm. other people don't see as normal. And then you start to like mm-hmm. do things that you wouldn't do. Right. Right. Created by one other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. All right. So let's get into some stats a little bit. <laughs> yes. I'm going to pull mine up here just okay. because. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. What do we got? We got one in four women experience mm-hmm. severe intimate partner physical violence and then one in nine men. And so I know that a lot of people like to talk about this when they talk about DV. If we say women, I, I don't think we try to do that too much. But right. I think that that's because one in four is a little bit mm-hmm. more pressing than one in nine. And so I think a lot of literature and different things that we've been exposed to have been women. But that doesn't mean that men aren't experiencing this right. as well. Absolutely. Um, I, I agree 100%. And again, this is just what is reported. So I, I do believe this is a lot higher. Um, and But we also need to make people feel comfortable, uh, uh, male and females, to come forward and talk about these issues. So, um, yep. Yeah, and then um, it says on a typical day there are more than two or 20,000 phone calls placed on domestic violence hotlines nationwide. And so that was another statistic we had mm. in our all staff where um, – our calls were higher also. Sure. And so um, everyone was like, man, I feel like the phones are ringing off the hook. And compared to last year, they did increase. Right. So. Yep. Interesting. Um, Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. Mm-hmm. And then women between the ages of 18 and 24 are most commonly abused by an intimate partner. Yeah. We also have stalking. So stalking is a part of intimate partner violence, but can also kind of be its own entity. And so 19.3 million women and 5.1 million men in the United States have been stalked in their lifetime. And stalking is just a whole almost another conversation (laughs) of like what it does to somebody mentally and the paranoia. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we talk about homicide. So um, I know on my Instagram, I follow end abuse or the national, I'm not going to remember the acronym for that. Um, but every Thursday they post like somebody who uh, has mm-hmm. been killed by their intimate partner and their sure. story and like a memorial remembrance of yeah. it. Um, but it says a study of intimate partner homicides found that 20% of victims were not the intimate partners themselves, but family members, friends, neighbors, persons who intervened, mm-hmm. law enforcement responders, or bystanders. So that's just saying that they've also been killed trying to yeah. probably help a situation that maybe they weren't equipped to handle at the time. And then 72% of all murder-suicides involves an intimate partner. So 94% of the victims of these murder-suicides are female. Mm-hmm. So a murder-suicide, right, is where someone is killing someone first and then killing themselves. Right. Yeah, Whew, some heavy stuff yeah. right there, absolutely. But again, really important um, to know the stuff that is happening, and it's happening right here in our own community, really. 
Yes, in everyone's community mm -hmm. to yep. be exact. Yes, absolutely. So if you were in session with me, right? Yeah. <laughs> we would be going over the wheels, okay? Um, we would be going over the power and control wheel and the equality wheel. Yep. When do you think you first learned about actually what these were? Because I have to say, not until I was actually in my field doing my stuff, right? Um, yeah. That I knew what this was. Now I teach it to everybody, and I have to tell you, most people are like, why didn't I learn this? Well, that's a whole nother arena of why we don't have enough funding for DV and why we don't have resources to get in there. But that's where I think, you know, that prevention ed coming in is really valuable yes. because everybody's like, oh, wow, this is so late in the game. But mm -hmm. at least they have the knowledge now, right? And then they'll have a choice to do something with it or not. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I didn't um, know about this till I got into the DV scene. Mm -hmm. um, and so my undergrad was about healthy relationships and families, but this specific, like the wheel, mm -hmm. um, was not like a tool that we were given. Right, and I just, I, I think everybody should have some knowledge in it. I mean, you can literally Google it. You could email us too and we can send it to you. Um, yeah. But the power and control wheel is really broken down into different pieces of the pie. So um, using intimidation, emotional abuse, isolation, minimizing, denying, and blaming, potentially using children, uh, using privilege, using economic abuse, and using coercion and, and threats. Okay. A big, so all of them are important to recognize if this is happening, you know, and remembering that in these situations, it's about power and control. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, always remembering that and I, I the one I go over with most people because I think it actually is the biggest again this is my opinion and that we forget about it is the isolation piece yeah right you are so much easier to control when you're isolated right, right. after you aren't hanging out with your friends anymore right mm -hmm. your family's not involved right like there's just so many layers to it but easier to control and manipulate if you don't have other people influencing you yeah so oftentimes I emphasize that and what mm -hmm. that looks like if that's happening to them how you can kind of get back out of there um, because when you're alone you're not as likely to reach out right yeah mm -hmm. and like I don't I don't want to refer it to a cult mentality but some people have a hard time like saying oh I still talk to my friends or I still do this um, but it's more of like the move the scary movie the village where like <laughs> a whole village can be isolated mm -hmm. and so like you have to understand that like sure you talk to your friends but are the things that that person who's trying to gain maintain that power and control are there things that those other people don't know? Right. That, There's like, yes. Yeah. And so oftentimes, and I'm working with somebody now, it's like two different lives that you're living, right? Yes. You don't tell them this because it's a secret, right? Um, you don't want anybody to know, right? And if you feel like it's all your fault and then nobody understands, right? Yeah. And if they already don't like this person because of other things that have happened or, you know, it just creates this ball and they actually, you isolate yourself. Yeah. So right? that's what, like, I'm thinking is like trying to understand isolation is like, don't think of it as this like, oh, I'm isolated by like, no, you still probably have contact with people. Right. It's just how is that contact changed and are you right. keeping things from those people in order to try and protect yourself or protect the person who you are with, mm -hmm. who has made you believe that you need to protect them from them. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any piece on here that, uh, so I use the isolation, really when people start to understand what emotional abuse is, right? It's putting the other person down, making them feel bad about themselves, calling them names, making them think they're crazy, playing mind games, humiliating them, and making them feel guilty. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, 
this is all of the time too, or it's not all of the time, I should say, but it happens the majority of the time. And again, this usually in these relationships doesn't start the day you meet this person. <laughs> no, right? it um, can be a year. Oh it my can goodness. be yep. a month. Yep. Yeah. So when I work with people who've, uh, you know, are on the other end of it and have potentially come out of it uh, and, you know, they're just like, oh, I, I was duped and how did I not know and this and that. And it's like, well, you have to give yourself a little bit of grace, right? And so I use the, the suitcase analogy. I'm like, all right, so if I opened up this suit, you met this person, and I opened up the suitcase and told you 10 years later this is what is going to happen, right? You would have ran for the hills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. But you didn't know, yeah. right? And that's not your fault. But now you have the knowledge, right? So how can we heal you, get better, so that yes. your next relationship can be healthy? <laughs> yes. And then you have to give yourself grace because you have so much to learn that, like, yeah. you still might pick someone or you still might engage in a relationship that's unhealthy mm -hmm. but it's as soon as you realize it then what are you going to do with the tools that you've gained right. like I think people are always so worried I keep picking the wrong person or I keep getting stuck in this situation yeah um well but I would tell people that they have to own their own shit yeah so when I work yeah. with people too like it listen you might not have been the dominant abuser mm -hmm. right but I'm sure you did unhealthy things yes. that you're not proud of so let's own it let's lay it out on the table and let's heal from it yeah right and so I appreciate that about you and I thank you for that because I think that when we did start working together that is what you had said to me because mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we talk about DV we I'm not saying we want to coddle because I don't think that that's probably the most appropriate term that I'm using but I think we think that they're not the victim isn't doing also abusive things but we right. also have to understand that they were in survival mode and yep. they had to survive but Absolutely. then also some of this power and control wheel is also mm -hmm. having that person trying to maintain power and control have their victim learn these tendencies yep. so they can continue to play this blame game and humiliate them or have other people in the public see that oh well see you you do do this or you do look crazy and so mm -hmm. um yes I think when people though give themselves that grace to own their shit mm -hmm. and like move on from it and heal from it and notice that hey maybe my next relationship I am sabotaging this to create crisis because this is what I'm used to yeah I think that that has been helpful for me talking with clients that yeah. I have worked with as well I had one person say it was hard for me because I had to say or give myself um I had to let it go that I fell in love with someone who wasn't real. Mm. And that Dang, person, yeah, I know, drop. right? <laughs> that person saying that to me, I was like, yeah. shit. Yeah. Like, that's what you have. Like, and so how the, the dumbness maybe that you feel or like, how did I mm -hmm. have that blanket tossed over me? Mm -hmm. And then like how vulnerable that makes someone feel and right. shameful like yeah. that you did allow yourself and so mm -hmm. I think not everyone can articulate that that feeling but I think that that's probably what a lot of people in these situations mm -hmm. are feeling well, remember like there's a whole a ton of reasons why um it lasted so long right and we're not going right. to pick through that but oftentimes in that circle it, it's, uh, denial is that middle piece right mm -hmm. um and so we've built that up and we've built up all these things and so to process through that is really really hard and I'm working with somebody 
right now who's you know definitely come out on the other end of this and it's just amazing to see them in this place right but now right now they're actually in a healthy relationship and it's not chaotic and it is almost <laughs> you know um like what is happening yeah. and, but, but they're in such a good place that they're able to recognize it mm-hmm. and it's like oh my gosh this is a a healthy thing right yeah and, um this person is doing nice things for me and there isn't uh malice intent behind it and mm-hmm. they've never had that before and so yeah. it's it, it's absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, great to come out on the other end, but then you deal with a whole other set of issues. But again, you would rather deal with these issues than what you had previously yes. been in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so with the power and control, I think you were asking me, is anything like that sticks out to me? And so I don't know, we could put it maybe on our Instagram, but there is like a five minute clip of the woman who created this oh, and sure. her team. And it's just super informative in that short five minutes because she talks about like everyone looks at it and thinks like a wheel that's like a cyclical continual thing. But she said, well. we wanted you to understand is that the circle is what's encompassing Mm -hmm. like the domestic violence and the power control is this like very outlined circle that is continued and not broken Mm. um and stuck together because of all these things inside of it and so we they pieced it together like to look like a wheel sprocket but that was just to identify and like define them Mm -hmm. and so as a victim or a survivor like not thinking that all of these have to add up for you to be in this oh yeah is important yep like yep it's all of these parts that could be here and maybe only one came in two months into your relationship and that was your first red flag but you missed it Mm -hmm. and now we're moving on to these other things yeah so um when i do this act i like that i like that a lot um when i do this activity right what i do then is then i have the equality wheel which is under it yeah yeah which is like the mirror of it and what happens literally almost every single time. So we'll go through this wheel, the power and control wheel. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say they've highlighted three pieces of that pie. Okay. Yeah. So they've highlighted using intimidation, using emotional abuse, and using isolation. So these three pieces. Okay. Yep. We go to the equality wheel. We, we go over that. And then I ask them, what are their three non-negotiables? Right? Yeah. What? Okay. Let's look, think about a healthy relationship. What are your non-negotiables? Okay. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> every single single time then they've literally in the equality wheel highlighted the three pieces that are actually (laughs) highlighted in the power and control wheel so then right i have them pair them side by side and i'm saying okay so currently or your past relationships these three pieces have happened but you told me that your non-negotiables are literally the polar opposites so it's that non-threatening respect trust and support and it is literally like this light bulb moment right Well, because when you're in these relationships relationships right like this is my number one thing and I never thought to do it the way you just did it so I'm gonna take that with me but I like to have people make their values list Mm -hmm. um and so I never thought like it literally goes like that but like it's that realization that like someone has controlled you so much Mm -hmm. and gained this power over you where you forgot what your values are and like said fuck off Mm -hmm. like you're not ticking these boxes and this is how I want to live my life right because you feel guilty or you feel like you're not doing something right or like we were talking about earlier like you're maybe going to save this person and so sometimes your values then 
you you bring them down in right. order to be at that level. Well, and to survive, remember, the, your circle in the middle is denial, right? So yeah. I'm going to keep building this and building this. And um, I think that that activity with that, it's it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Literally, it yeah. is. Yeah. And now that I've said it, oh, it yeah. happens every single time, right? <laughs> it won't happen the next time. I, I know. Um, <laughs> no, but, it, it, you know, it's powerful. And what I like about the equality wheel, again, it mirrors the other things, but it's non-threatening behavior, respect, trust and support, honesty and accountability, uh, responsible parenting, shared responsibility, economic partnership, negotiation and fairness. But what, another distinction that I want to make that I think people get confused in is that once they get out of a, uh, a DV relationship, then there's, their next relationship is quote unquote perfect. Okay. Yeah. Which is just a red flag to say in general, because what I'm going to tell you is no relationship is perfect. Yeah. Right. Healthy is work. Yeah. Right. And the equality wheel. And, and again, a healthy relationship is coming back to the table. And maybe it's so, but you want to call it perfect because it's, you know, um, a little the, bit better. That, yeah. Than before. <laughs> yeah. But what, you know, so remembering that no relationship is perfect and you shouldn't be perfect, yeah. but you should have some level of equality and some level of coming back to the table every single time in a healthy yeah. way you're not going to do everything perfectly no but the the point of it is is that you can make mistakes but how am I going to come back to the table in a way that respects my partner and doesn't violate them um in a different way so. yeah and so and I think that that's very powerful and I also think it's very powerful and when you say that to someone that you're working with yeah. because they could still be in this denial phase, but kind of mm -hmm. on the fence and like allowing them to think, oh, relationships can have imperfections, mm -hmm. right? It's understanding what a healthy imperfection is and an unhealthy imperfection is and like not continuing to make that excuse. Right. Yep. Yeah. And knowing that maybe your partner might come back to the table on occasion just to maintain the power and control. Right. Um, or they've changed. Yes. Um, and so then I work with, and I hear that a lot, I, and that's a good thing, right? We want people to change. But what I will tell you is change is hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> For anybody. Yeah. Um, so then we go through the cycle of change, right? Um, and uh, how long it takes to change, right? It takes mm -hmm. 21 days to create a habit, right? And about three months to have effective change. Uh, happening so yeah. um, I would say <laughs> uh, that's part of what I try to teach people as well let's talk a little bit about what the uh, what the cycle is people might not necessarily know what it is yeah so um, we like circles and things in yeah I know <laughs> yes um, so the cycle is do you want to do yours first or do you want to do what one are these okay so the first is the honeymoon phase and so this is the one that can last for like a mm. year to six months initially like so a lot of people are saying like mm -hmm. I didn't know this isn't how they were yeah. so it's that honeymoon phase and I think that honeymoon phase probably defines it pretty well mm -hmm. um, but this person appears to be genuine um, they're they taking off all yep. your boxes. They can beg for forgiveness, yes. make you promises, give you gifts, again, yes. um, apologies over and over, uh, making excuses. Um, typically in the honeymoon phase, uh, you'll, you'll take them back. Uh, you believe that this... <laughs> 
that they will change. Uh, you trust, right? Um, and you think that the other person deserves another chance. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so then what happens is usually it starts with this tension. Mm -hmm. So things start fading or transitioning, I like to say, where maybe now they're not buying gifts or maybe now they're creating a conflict or maybe now they're doing something that's making you uncomfortable, but now you're committed to this or you've promised to do this mm -hmm. or the love is just so unreal that like you see it and the tension is building and that person's true colors I think are slowly coming out right because they can't wear the mask for too too long yes um but what I would say also remember talking about what does it feel like when you're back into the environment Talk, listening to your body as best you can so do you feel like you're walking on eggshells again are you trying to be perfect are you constantly worried and in a state of anxiety what are they doing who are they doing it with um are they going to blow up any second here uh not wanting to be alone staying away from your family of friends um yeah Yes, and then what happens is that mask totally comes off, right? And the tension has gotten to this point where now this person has used that tension to validate their violent behavior towards you. Yep. And so it says on here that it calls it a violent episode that can be physical emotional or sexual abuse um and that's when the crime is committed essentially mm -hmm. there could be crime in the tension area as well but yes mm -hmm. and then it just keeps going around and around yep and then they are oh my god i'm so sorry i didn't mean to do this i'll never do it again it breaks my heart that i could hurt you like this what whatever else they're giving you flowers i don't know what maybe is happening because now they want to go back to the honeymoon to rebuy you into who they are then the mask goes back on mm -hmm. um, but this i think over time the longer you're with someone i think these get shorter the mm -hmm. honeymoon gets much shorter mm -hmm. sure because yeah. you're isolated probably you're mm -hmm. feeling stuck mm -hmm. the person who wants you to feel that way knows that that's what's happened Right. Um, so they don't have to do too many nice things um, to get you to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And this can be, uh, you know, I think over time, too, sometimes you don't even get the honeymoon phase after a while. Yeah. Right? That's what, it it yeah. can just be tension and then that and kind of going back and forth. But, um, yeah, it can last for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, okay. All right. So next up. Um, and I don't, is the statistic still seven to eight times before somebody actually leaves one of yeah. these? Okay. Yep. So I think that that is still right. And then with that, um, what I would say is I think that it's probably double that before somebody actually leaves one of I these know. situations. Yes. Um, sure. Um, and so with that, I mean, we won't have time to get into it today, but we can always do another one of these. I mean, really um, talking about the, the codependent behavior. Yeah, I that, think that could be a whole nother <laughs> episode just then and, bring uh, it in. trauma bonding, um, unhealthy versus healthy relationships, uh, red flags. But with that, I mean, no matter what, um, it's really just about getting people the support that they need, right? Yeah. And someone to talk to um, because no matter what, people will leave when they're ready, right? Yeah. I've had, I've learned that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that it's important. I think it was important for me to l learn that as a clinician too, is I'm just here to support you, help you. Um, but I could never make you do anything, right? I don't yeah. walk in your shoes. I don't judge you for um, any of it, but here is the education on it. Here's where you're at. And then how can I help you to the best that I can? Yeah. And from an advocate point of view, it's supporting in a way that 
that like if that person feels that they want to go back into this relationship, mm-hmm. how can we safety plan? Because yeah. even those little safety plan tips and tricks mm-hmm. is going to help them so much more yep. when that cycle rebuilds to tension and then violent yep. behavior again, which is then offering them support. And it usually works, right? Because yeah. it's effective. Mm-hmm. And so then they can see that hope in the situation yep. and that continues on. So yeah. Yeah, I we have a lot of family members call too. Like, mm-hmm. how do I go about this? I just want to come and yell at this person. I want to yeah. tell this person, how can dare you treat my family member this way? You know, and that's that almost creates part of that isolation piece right. and validates what that other person has been probably saying to the victim mm-hmm. on repeat. And so I know it's hard, mm-hmm. right? Like as a clinician, you're saying like you've learned, like you have to know. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it too for me is to recognize, well, they know something is off, otherwise they wouldn't be in my office talking about it, right? So I've yeah. probably built some level of, of trust and support in a way um, that I that they wouldn't be walking through my door talking about it if they didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think it's important, um, obviously, to raise awareness about this issue. Um, and we'll keep doing the best we can. Yeah. I think before we end, though, we should go through some of those red flags. Oh, I sure. I think let's just give a few lists. So why she's pulling that back up, though, we did decide that lavender tea yes. would be the best um tea for you to have sure. while drinking maybe our next few episodes or but we chose lavender um because it's a sedative effect that soothes and calms nerves and so mm-hmm. somebody maybe who's in crisis or um, a victim of domestic violence might appreciate that but yeah. also lavender is purple <laughs> yes. and domestic violence awareness is represented by a purple ribbon yep. um purple anything so mm-hmm. yeah There's this really good worksheet that I go over with most of my clients and specifically people who are struggling with unhealthy relationships um, or a DV relationship at that. And it's called the Conscious Dating Red Flags Checklist. Yes, I love it. (laughs) If any of my clients are listening to this, they know (laughs) they've probably seen this one. And what I like about it, um, you can score it at the end or different things like that. But again, what you see is that there might be a lot more red flags than you knew even existed yes um and i mean it starts off like what i want to spend the rest rest of my life with this person exactly as they are right not creating them into a role right would i want this person today to raise my child with everything that's going on um and then you know other things um i i like the category are you talking yourself into this relationship yeah that was the one when we <laughs> talked about this before sure um and I, we uh, have some things in common and so i'm avoiding looking at glaring differences i think that's a powerful thing to kind of ask yourself am i doing this am i creating you know and then danger signs you know reacts to frustration with anger rage or blame you know smashing things or yelling or grunting or kicking or punching walls it might not be you but still that's a red flag yeah right um immature impulsive and irresponsible <laughs> um emotionally distant or void a lot you know and so this is just oh doesn't keep agreements or arrangements uh, lacks integrity uh with dealing with 
um, situations. So this is uh, out online or you could email us too and we could send it to you. It's a nice thing to have and it doesn't just have to be with someone in a new relationship. It could be with somebody um, that you're already in a relationship with. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. So thank you for All sharing right. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy your lavender tea and mm -hmm. listen in for our next episode, which would be mm -hmm. episode number five coming soon. Yes. So. Thank you. Yep. Bye. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us and hope that you learned a few things. The importance of mental health issues continues to grow and we hope we shed some light on topics that are important to you while also fucking some shit up. <laughs> All right. Let us know what topics you would want to learn more about and email us at teatimepsycho at gmail.com. Again, that's teatimepsycho at gmail.com. Thank, Thank you. you.